Um, Ephesians is a wonderfully powerful letter. Our faith. It's been referred to as the divinest composition of man. It uh, is dealing with topics that are, that are core and central to the Christian belief, both in, uh, in our faith and in practice. And so this letter that was written to a church similar to ours is still speaking to a church today. God's word is still speaking to us. And so this morning, to, to start our time, as we wrap up this series, I just want to have a few people come on stage. And I forgot the microphone. So Rebecca, Ewan, Kim, go ahead and come on up. Um, and I'm just going to ask them to share a little bit about what God has said to them through this series, through his word, uh, through his letter that, that he had his apostle Paul write to uh, a church that was, you know, that existed thousands of years ago. So we have Rebecca, and she's an awesome, faithful discovery group leader. She's a great part of this body. She's on the prayer team. Uh, we have uh, Ewan, who's like the Swiss army knife of like discovery, right? He's super involved on campus. Um, he's on the, the search committee for the new pastor. He's a part of a discovery group. He helps us set up and tear down, like you name it, the dude does it. And Kim, she serves you guys coffee every Sunday, and what's better than that, right? Her and her husband are out there faithfully. Um, and so guys, I just want to hear from you. What has God said to you through this letter that's thousands of years old? One thing that God showed me was his grace, his undeserved favor. A lot of times I think I have to work to earn things. So it's like I just put God's grace and pretend it's not there because I haven't done enough to receive it. Um, also that he saw us when we were dead, when we were dead in our sins. And he didn't turn away, but he responded with grace and love, and that challenged me um, how I see people around me who are spiritually dead. Do I respond with mercy, or do I turn away? That's good. Thank you. Yeah, um, so for me, I think as we've been going through the series on Ephesians, I'm kind of really leaning into it over the past eight weeks. I think the thing that stuck out to me most was just this idea of um, seeing the wow of walking in the now. And what I mean by that is I'm a very kind of problem-solving kind of guy, and I'm always kind of looking to like, think big picture and change the world. I have kind of these crazy aspirations of transforming culture, changing the world, and kind of doing all that stuff. And while that's not bad, I mean, I think that's good, um, I think sometimes I do that at the expense of kind of the little things, right, in everyday life. Um, and I've always found it a struggle, I think, to love well the people that are closest to me. Um, things like just spending time with a friend in need, right? Or things like texting my mom to say hello, uh, or, or you know, setting up a date night or doing the dishes. Um, and I think, <laughs> I think as we've been going through this series on Ephesians, what I saw week after week after week um, was that amazing relationship between how God calls us to live now and how that's tied with what he's done for us um, in the cross and in Christ, right? In Ephesians 1 to 3, we saw that, you know, we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places given mm. to us in Christ. And, like, he's lavishing the riches of his kindness upon us, mm. right? And then we see that God's plan for the church, right, that through the church, his manifold wisdom is on display um, for the authorities and the powers in heaven to see. And, like, that's an amazing thing. You get all that language of grandeur in chapters 1 and 3, 
And then in chapters four and five and six, it talks about how that plays out for us kind of every day, you know, little things, right? It talks about how that plays out for us as we, you know, participate in the church, right? How we serve one another in the church, how we love our spouses, how we honor our father and mother, how we are in the workplace. And for me, that's just been kind of so convicting, I think, um, that these little things are not little and they're not unimportant, right? That texting my mom to say hello isn't just texting my mom to say hello. It's how God has called me to live and fundamentally change and transform relationships because of what he's done for me. Um, So that's just been kind of a big encouragement for me. And I think it's kind of changed the way um, I kind of see my life in the everyday a little bit. I think sometimes I think about my life and it feels like a blip on the radar, right? Like how does what I do actually change anything in the world? Um, and I think Ephesians has given me a different picture of that, that, you know, my life and the things that I do, yeah, it's one brushstroke, right? But it's one brushstroke amongst this canvas of God's masterpiece and what he's doing in the world and displaying his glory. Um, so I think that's exciting that God's, you know, invited me to be a part of that um, and that what I do in the little things like doing dishes um, is part of the design that God has for how I'm supposed to be living. And even though I might not see how that's changing the world, I know God is changing the world, right? and he's called me to be a part of that. Thank you, Yuan. Sorry, I'm so nervous. It's okay. <laughs> um, so this whole series has been very painful for me um, because it's just been like a... Um, it's very convicting. I've, I live my life kind of distracted. I try to go as fast as possible, do as much as possible. Um, and then, it, uh, you know, if you keep yourself busy enough, you don't have to think about anything. You just stop, you know, fill that schedule up, get everything done, and you feel good. You got stuff accomplished, but it's so... Um, I think that's such a, a worldly way to live. And so this series in Ephesians with especially Kevin, um, I missed one of them, but I, for Kevin's sermon and then um, Jeremy's, both of them were, Kevin's broke me down good <laughs> because it was, it was like, wow, these things that I've been justifying because they're, you know, just like little sins and, you know, as long as you're doing okay, other places, you know, the little stuff doesn't matter. Kevin's like, no, that's not what the Bible says. And that was like, oh gosh, that's right. I got to read the Bible (laughs) and, you know, actually read it. Don't skip the hard parts. Um, And then Jeremy um, that one, when he talked about the, the Greek where the command to stand strong is both um, as a unit and individual was really intense for me because um, I tend to, when things get hard, I'll stay away. So I'll, you know, won't share it with anyone. I'll become very alone and things get worse and to me I was like that's okay as long as I'm not bothering anyone else with it it's okay and I'll just deal with it eventually but Jeremy's sermon was like no what's going on with you affects the whole body you can't just go away because now there's a hole in the ranks and uh (laughs) 
It was just, um, it was so powerful. So, um, so right now I was telling Paul that I'm in a very convicted stage. I don't have any like happy, <laughs> like, oh, now my life is perfect short story, but I'm so encouraged because I feel like the, the book of Ephesians, while it's convicting, it's also so encouraging because there's so much grace. So now um, that we get to move forward now with this hope. So it's, it's just this whole series and Ephesians and these people in our church that come up and share the word exactly how it's written, not because it's easy, but because it's true, has been a huge, huge impact in my life. And I'm really excited now to move forward. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> it's okay to cry. It's okay to cry. Um, thank you guys for sharing honestly and openly and vulnerably. Um, I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll wrap this letter up. Father, um, I just thank you that you have uh, given us your word, that, that you still speak uh, through it to us, God. Um, would you illuminate this letter for us uh, one more time this morning? In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So, um, <clears throat> isn't it cool just to hear how God's still uh, moving through his word? in the lives of our people today. Um, this is an encouragement to me. I hope it's an encouragement to you. Um, Ephesians, uh, this morning, uh, what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to do a big flyover. Uh, we're going we're gonna to look at it from uh, chapter 1, verse 1, to uh, chapter 6, verse 24. And um, the reason that I want to do this this morning is because it's a letter. It's a letter written by one man to a church, a church that's, that's similar to ours, and it was delivered by their system of mail. Uh, if you get a letter in the mail and you read it paragraph by paragraph, discussing it with people in the middle of the week and, uh, and unpacking it like that, you're different than me. When I get a letter, I read it from start to finish. Um, and so now, my disclaimer in that is, is that since we have done the hard work of unpacking section by section, of pulling out uh, the, the life-altering truth that is in each section, um, talking about what that looks practically in our lives, uh, I am excited to share the big picture context that all of that fits into this morning. Um, so when we started out uh, with this series, what we... Um, launched out to do was, was to look at what Paul said to the Ephesians, and, and we kind of framed it in these three goals. We said, we want to see the greatness of God. We want to learn how to walk in light of the gospel, and we want to stand firm in who God has called us to be. And so this morning, that's my lens. That's how we're going to look at the big picture context as we fly over this entire book. And so, like I said, we're going to start on 1-1, and the reason I'm starting there is because I think it's important to understand who Paul was writing to. Who is this letter to? He says, it's to the saints who are in Ephesus, who are faithful in Christ Jesus. And so what we know about the church in Ephesus is that it was the flagship church of, of that time. We believe that it was actually probably a place that was thriving, that was probably pretty healthy. Um, 
And, and so Paul is writing them this, this, this grand letter that, we, that still speaks to us today. Um, and and he's, he's writing it to people who already follow and know Jesus. And if you're here this morning, you're like, okay, I don't know Jesus, so what does this got for me? I can't think of three better chapters in the Bible for you to get to hear. Because after all, this is the essence of what we believe. This is why we gather here on Sunday mornings. And so, uh, verse 3, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. And that might seem like a little thing. It's like the start uh, of, this, of this grand letter. But I also think it's, it may be the most important verse in this. In the, it's not really, but you'll get, my, you'll get to my point in a second. But what we learn in this verse is that we are here not for ourselves and not for our own glory and for our own success, but we are here to praise the Father that created us and put us on this earth. That is why we're here. And in Christ, in the relationship we have come to know in Christ and been made right and, and been brought back into relationship with God, we get blessings not because of what we did, but because of what Christ has done for us. And so then we see those blessings. We're adopted into the family of God. We are forgiven and redeemed. Uh, we get to partner with God in working out his eternal purpose. And we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And then in chapter 2, uh, we continue to see the greatness of God. And, and, uh, and, and James did this so wonderfully. He... he he illuminated the fact that we're dead in the trespasses and sins. And he told us uh, that, that sin, it's, it's imperfectly obeying God's law. And he asked this great question, do you believe you're a sinner? And you kind of, ah, maybe, I don't know. But, but he, then he asked, do you believe you're imperfect? And I don't think that there are many of us in here who would say you're perfect. And so what that means is that because of your sin, because you haven't perfectly followed God's law, you've been separated from the, from the Father and from the Creator because He is a holy and perfect God. And so what we learn just a few verses later is that uh, in verse 4 it says, But God, rich in mercy, because of great love, made us alive with Christ. By grace we have been saved through faith. And we learn that grace is, is this gift that we didn't deserve and it's this gift that we can't earn. And it comes through our faith in Christ. It comes through our faith in Jesus. And when we uh, accept that truth, when we begin to follow Jesus and walk into the truth of the gospel, what we learn is that, that we are being gathered as a people, that, that the church is a, is, a, is a people and it's not just a place. We are being gathered as one in peace and unity that it doesn't matter anymore how much money you make or how, what your education is or what your political views are, what your race is, that, that we are a unified family of God. And, and the greatness of that is that this family, we get to make God known. That's the purpose of this family. We say it in Discovery. We, are dis we get to be disciples who make disciples. Then he wraps up this, first, this, this city to change our world. And then he wraps up this first section, these first three chapters, with a prayer. And he prays, uh, he prays this. It, it, this is a prayer phrase of it from uh, a theologian named Eugene Peterson in what we call a message Bible. And, uh, and he writes, I ask him to strengthen you by his spirit 
not a brute strength, but a glorious inner strength, that Christ will live in you as you open the door and invite him in. And I ask him that both feet planted firmly on love, you'll be able to take it you'll be able to take it in with all followers of Jesus, the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. <clears throat> they reach out, reach out and experience the breath, test its length, plummet the depths, rise to the heights, live full lives. And that, that wraps up the section of seeing the greatness of God. Church, have you seen the greatness of God in this series? Have you seen the blessings he's bestowed on you? Have you seen the implications of the new life in Christ you've been given? Have you seen that you are part of a family, God's family, working out a purpose? Have you seen how much he loves you? See, when we see the greatness of God, what we learn through the book of Ephesians is that leads us to the gospel. And this morning, if, if you don't know the gospel, this is the core of, of, of what we believe in. What we believe is that we, we are imperfect. We are sinful. We cannot follow uh, the heavenly Father, creator God's law that, that he laid out for us. And because we, we can't follow it, and it's for our good, but because we're imperfect and because we sin, we need a new way to, to have a relationship with God, and that's where Jesus comes in. He came from heaven, and he came to earth, and he walked a perfect life. He, he wasn't imperfect. He lived in no sin, and, and he went to the cross, and he was crucified, and his blood was spilled, and that blood is blood that should have been ours. That blood is the sacrifice for, for our sins, for your sins, for my sin. And then he rose from the grave, and we find out a little bit earlier is that when he rose from the grave, he conquered death, he conquered evil. He is now victorious. And, and in that resurrection, that is where the power for us to, to, to have a new life, to experience spiritual resurrection to be set free from the bondage of sin comes from. And, and Jesus says, follow me. Turn from the past life that you've been living for yourselves, the empty life, the life of pursuing things that will never fill you up. Turn from the things that you're ashamed of and follow me. If you have never said, yes, Jesus, I want to follow you. You are my Lord and you are my Savior. I want you to know that God loves you so much. And he wants to have a relationship with you. And this morning, he might be calling you into his family. To be a son and daughter of his. And so we say, okay, we're, we're following God and we're repenting of our sin. We're turning from the old and we're stepping into the new. And Paul gets into to the now. We saw the greatness of God. We saw the wow. And now we get to walk in the now. And what does that look like? In, in verse 4, 1, he says, I therefore, because of everything that I have done for you through Christ, because of everything I have given you, Walk in a manner worthy of the calling. Walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. Repent, change your ways, and follow me. Walk in light of the gospel. It's like, oh man, that's awesome. I want to I live a new life, but where do I start? Paul gives us four spheres, four simple spheres. And he picks up where he left off in verse 3 to start. And he says that we walk in unity 
in the church. See, he's made us a family. He's made us one. And then he's given us all gifts. And we all get to work out. We all get to do the work of God. We all get to be a part of the ministry. Not just the person on this stage. Not just a senior pastor or the elders. But every one of us. And when we do that, we, we function as a body, just like our physical bodies, and we work in unison, and we are the hands, and we're the feet, and Christ is the head, and, and it all works together in unity and in unison, and what happens is the church grows. The world begins to see the church unite all things under Jesus Christ for the glory of God, which is the purpose of God's eternal plan. We get to make disciples who make disciples. And then he, he says, in the world, go and, and live a new life and walk in holiness. Right? Because you have been given the power inside and you used to be dead. But you are now alive. You are now a new person. You have new life. You have been changed in that spirit inside of you. Allow it to renew you. It is the power to transform your life. Just as, it, just as Christ rose from the dead into new life. He says, put off the old self and, and take a step into the new. He says, ways that we can do that, we can walk in love, verses, uh, chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, and I'm just going to read the paraphrase one more time because I think he does a great job just giving a picture of what that might mean. He says, watch what God does, and then you do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. Mostly what God does is love us. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious. It was extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. When we're made new, we give everything of ourselves to love the people around us, to walk in light of the gospel, to walk in holiness. And then he says, walk in light. You've been wandering around in darkness. You, you didn't know what you were doing. You didn't know where you were going. It was just kind of foolish decision after foolish decision. Nothing you did worked. It didn't fill you up. So, so walk in the light. Like, guys, Christ has given us a path and a purpose in his family. Every one of us. Figure out what that path and that purpose is and walk in the light. He lit the light. He lit a path for you. He says, in our homes, walk in love and respect. You see, in the church today, we, there's some tension in, in what it means to, uh, to submit to your husband as a wife and to love your husband as, uh, love your wife uh, as a husband. And, um, and Jake did an awesome job with this two weeks ago. Go and listen to it. Listen to it if you didn't hear it. But I'm just looking at verses 31 and 33, and I'll tell you what I see. He says, look, the Old Testament, the Bible says that when you get married, you become one. And, and I think Paul was probably thinking, I don't really know what that means. I'm not married. So that's a, that's a profound mystery. And if you're married, you might have a sense of like, oh, I get that. But it's still a mystery. He says, but... The dude who predicted his own death, who went to the cross, predicted his own resurrection and did it, the guy that is my savior and I follow, who's changed my life and transformed me, called himself the groom, called the church the bride, 
He said, so I don't know really what it means, but guess what? Men, you're the groom, and women, you're the bride. So men, you should lay down your life and love your wife. Give yourself up. And women, women, respect and honor and love and serve your husband as the body serves Christ. As the church loves Jesus. And then he, he says, uh, to walk in light of the gospel, we must stand firm. Stand firm. He says, put on the armor of God. And have we looked at what the armor of God is recently? Yes, last week. We actually did. What is it? It's truth. It's righteousness. It's faith. It's peace. And it's salvation. What is that? It is a summary of the wow of God. We have to wear the wow. We have to wear the greatness of God in every day, in every aspect of our life. So that we can stand firm. We need to see the greatness of God. He takes this letter that he talked about in verse 1 and he connects it in, verse, in chapter 6 to verse 1. And he says, you know what? You know what the power to do that comes from? You know what the offensive weapon is? You know how we go and fight the battle with Christ? He says it's in the spirit. You're empowered in the spirit. You're empowered in the spirit and the word of God. And you're empowered in the spirit to enter into his presence in prayer. And you know what happens when you open this up and say, Spirit, speak to me from your word? He does. And when you enter into his presence in prayer, he, he meets you there. And you know what happens? The gospel, it washes fresh over you all again. And you see his greatness. And you experience his love. And you say, I want to walk in light of the gospel, God. Where am I not following what you are asking me to do? And you repent and you say, okay, I'm going to turn and I'm going to go another direction. And, and you start to, and, and the, the, the spiritual world take notice and, and say, like, that dude's onto something. I don't want him to be successful. And he says, okay, battle. And you step into that fight and what do you do? You stand firm. You put the wow and the, of God on. Guys, but there's a caution in this. There's a context that we get to see that the Ephesians didn't have the, the, the ability to see. They didn't have the, 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 the pleasure of knowing the future. Paul said, wear the wow of God, stand firm in it. And in, in chapter 2 of Revelation, we see God speaks. He speaks to the church. And he says, guess what, guys? You obeyed my commands. You walked in light of what you believed. You did. But I have this against you. You forgot your first love. I told you to stand firm, to, to wear the greatness, to wear the love. But you didn't do it, so repent. Turn back. Find your first love. Put on the wow of God again. I, I think the temptation is to stand up here and to say, okay, Ephesians is done. Here's a to-do list. Man, it, God is so good. So church, be unified. 
individuals walk in holiness. Men, love your wives. But that's not what I can do this morning because that's not what Paul does. Paul doesn't say, here's the to-do list. Paul says, guys, see the greatness. See the greatness of God. Believe the gospel. When that changes you, when that, that, that just changes your motivation for how you live, when it changes you from the inside out, then repent and walk in light of the gospel. See, I think what we realize when we, when we look at this from verse 1 to the end as a whole, we realize that, that these are not steps that we take to get to a destination. We realize that this is a relationship that we constantly are living in through Jesus with our Father in heaven. It's a cycle of growth. It's a daily rhythm to life. Guys, church, family, Have we seen the greatness of God? If you haven't seen the greatness of God in this series, stop. I love what Kim said. Cut some of that noise out. Be still and listen. Guys, when we begin to to understand this and allow ourselves uh, to be changed by the gospel. I believe that we will be working as a body, united for the glory of God through the purpose of Christ. And I believe that, that our lives will look different. I believe that the people who once knew us will say, man, he's different. Like, he loves me differently. Uh, He's making different decisions. He's no longer anger and bitter and resentful. But they're like, who is this guy? And and, and he he has a purpose and a plan, and he's empowered by something. I don't even know what the frick his power is coming from. But he's different, and, and our families will look different, and our marriages will look different, and we'll need to stand firm, and we'll need each other. We'll need to gather and to unite as a body and as a family, and we'll need to remind ourselves to, to see the greatness of God once again. And so as I, as I wrap up this series, I don't want to leave you with a to-do list of steps to take because I don't believe that this is a to-do list. What I, what I see when I read this, what, I, what I've seen through this series, what I've heard through the people who, who have shared this is that every day we must see the greatness of God. Every day we must be reminded to walk in light of the gospel. 
We, every day we must stand firm in who God has called us to be. And as we, we as a family of God, the body of Christ, the church, as we engage with the spiritual world, as we begin to, to battle and to stand with Christ in it, we will begin to see everything united under Christ, fulfilling the purpose of God for his glory. As we see, when we see, we walk. When we walk, we must stand. We started out asking the question, what is the church? Who is the church? Discovery. I submit to you that we are the church. Let's start living like it. Father, um, I thank you for uh, the letter that, that you have given us to read, Lord. I thank you for, for how you have uh, shown yourself to us throughout this series, for how you have uh, convicted us throughout this series, for how you have uh, called us to repent, to turn from our, our old self and to, to continue to put on the new self, God, in, in the power of your spirit. God, I pray that we would see the greatness of you. God, give us your spirit so that we may uh, see you fully. God, I, I pray that every day uh, we would be reminded of, of our belief. We would be reminded that we are following you, that we are walking in your light, that we are walking in, in your freedom and in, in your gift of grace. Empower us, Father, to live as you are asking us to. God, and I pray that, that we will gather as a family, that we will gather as a church, that we will gather as discovery. And we will stand firm God, that we will stand firm so that you can work through us to unite all things under Christ for your glory. Christ, and we pray. Amen. We're going to enter into our time of response, and this is an opportunity for just for you to sit, uh, to cut some of that noise, and to be still. And we encourage you during this time to really uh, to do that. It's not often.